1: Welcome into episode sixty-eight of the Natural Hat Trick Podcast, the Yarmir Yager episode, alongside Craig Morgan and Jamie. Is it Jamie? Yeah. The, Jamie Eisner. She's yeah, Jaime? Ja- 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 Jamie or Jaime Eisner. Yeah, one, yeah. one of them. Okay, I'm All back. Right. Uh,
2: Jamie's back. He, he, I know nobody missed me, but I'm back. Do both depending on the audience? Okay. Well, yeah, especially out here. Okay. He claims, especially because it's it's spelled that way. It really works. It just, it just screws it screws with everybody. Claims it's, he was here
1: before. I don't. I'm Luke Lipinski, by the way. I introduce everybody except myself, but uh, they know who you are. Okay, fair enough. Where do we uh, where do we start this week, gentlemen? There's there's quite a bit of hockey to talk well, about. I there's guess a, there's uh, start in Brooklyn. One less coach employed. Yes, right. we will begin in Brooklyn. No um, word on whether or not he I like uh... begin in Brooklyn. Is that a movie? It, if it's not, it's it song. should be. Yeah.
2: No word on whether Capuano had to call his own cab or not. Oh wow! Well. But... Hefty bags, shots fired. Hefty bags. full That. I I mean the train station's right outside Barclays Center, so in reality, probably
1: would've been okay. It's true. Probably has a better view of the ice now that he's not coaching. Not
3: inside the building? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they can always bring a bus right into Barclays, too. It comes down that bus elevator. Just or or, park or you can that car or is. Moves moves take that car. One quarter of a mile per hour. Oh, yeah? That's right. There's, there's a vehicle right well, the there. That's, that's, there. There for the car. that's <laughs> why it was there. That's, <laughs> the, that's the KHL's yeah.
2: gimmick. Yet but the, the Islanders are doing it. Hey, As a parting gift,
3: Jack. It, it could, could yeah. catch on.
1: As a parting gift, we'll give you a ride with this car, but you can't keep it. I already <laughs> missed Jack Capuano because he just looked like he should be the coach of the Islanders. Did he not? Like He just looked like His the Islanders voice, coach. everything. Yeah. The accent,
3: yeah, he just fit there. You're right now.
1: All right, so I think a lot of people entering this season, if you had to guess who the first NHL coach fired would be, I think a lot of people assumed it would probably be Capuano. Not, not like even Gerard Gallant. Yeah, definitely yeah. was not Gallant. Who, who could end up in Brooklyn? Yeah. Okay, so if you're the Islanders, are you looking for your next long-term coach right now, or are you waiting toward to the end of the year to see what other coaches are let go? Well, there are reports they've already asked
3: permission to talk to Gallant. So.
1: And, and according to Mackenzie, that was weeks ago.
3: Yeah. Yes. Yes, I saw it. That's. Okay, so, oops, <laughs> oh, oh, oops. <laughs> Weeks ago, okay.
1: Maybe I'm naive, but who do you have to ask permission to to talk to Gallant at this point? Uh, the Panthers still, because they're paying him. Yes, really. Yes, do that, they that, really that care is... what happens to yeah, him. Talk to their Don't you
2: remember manager. when? Uh, didn't Columbus have to trade for Tortorella's rights? Yep. Yeah, but yeah, I just and I felt, felt like there was a difference.
3: Wrong Florida year under contract. Yeah, yeah.
1: But I they know, shouldn't it's... have
3: any say over where he goes. Um, we, yeah, we. I think we made this argument. On a podcast, yeah. I don't know when, maybe podcast number twenty-three or something. Yeah, I'm so sure yeah, that was we it. Talk, yeah, the coach compensation. Ago. But yeah, I totally agree with you. Go it's back just, and re-listen to episode 23. If you, if you dump someone, you have you should have no say over them at that point. They
2: should have like the, the make whole
3: con. Or what, what is it? The offset language
2: like the NFL has, yeah. where okay, if you find a new team and they pay you, we we pay you less
3: that or, or whatever even, it is. Maybe we don't not pay even that. anymore. I mean, you agree to the contract, yeah. so or to the terms of the contract, so you have to pay them out, but. Why should you have a say of somebody yeah. getting employed again? That's absurd. Well, who's going to say no
1: to the Islanders? They're probably like, oh, yeah, go go ahead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, you won't come back to haunt I, us there at least. Right? exactly. Although, oh. I mean, the Islanders did take the Panthers out last year. This could be the ultimate oh. vengeful mm-hmm. move yeah, right here. That? Or maybe they just hate Gallant so much they don't want to let him coach anywhere. <sighs> I feel like he's Vegas' next coach. I'm just going to keep he feeling like that until Vegas
3: has a coach. But it's not Las Vegas. Yeah, it's, it's, just Vegas. Just it's Vegas. It's Vegas. Vegas Golden Knights. How do you feel about that, by the way? I'm I'm really bothered by that. Am I am I really going to write the Vegas Golden Knights? No. I, do I, I omit the city name of any other team that I write about? The 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 Angeles Kings. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> the York Rangers. Yeah. The, the Jose Sharks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, want that good, I want that to All be right my name. I want that to be my name. Jose, Jose Cuervo Sharks. Yes. <laughs> my podcast name is now ah, Jose Sharks. See, now you're talking marketing opportunities. Now that's something different. I don't even remember what we were talking about. I just would ask that you two refu- refer to me as Jose Shark for the rest of time on this show. <laughs> I, I,
2: I don't want to know where that goes. Probably not going to happen. Okay.
1: Now, no, Jersey
3: Devils sounds fine, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Jersey. Jersey Devils. Jersey Devils. The Jersey Devil. <laughs> that works.
1: Here's the thing, though. I wasn't even thinking that they were just called the Vegas Knights when I called them the Vegas Knights. So I think it's, it's going to catch on real quick. It's really weird. It is. The whole situation's been weird. Well, that's
3: true. They, yeah. They should have just made their logo a dollar. No, nobody
2: sign. screws up a, a big event
1: like the NHL. It's
3: hard. It's, just nobody does. It's hard to hit the play button on a video, Jamie. It's hard. Hey, sometimes if you use AOL, it takes a while yeah. for it to load. <laughs> oh, that, that's. See, I, I think of Jerry Brown. Whenever I hear AOL, Jerry Brown still has yeah. AOL mail. Who has AOL mail? His, he gets a new email, you've got mail. And he's sitting right next to me. Maybe he likes room. that voice. Really? Maybe I mean, something how old comforting. is that? I, I always feel like I'm watching Sleepless in Seattle when I hear.
2: Yeah, that. you just wait and hear the dial-up tone Or maybe even <laughs> the
3: <laughs> other movie called
1: You've Got Mail with Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan That too yeah I yeah. love how when you think Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan and the phrase You've Got Mail you think Sleepless in Seattle Makes a lot of sense Anyway, with the Islanders
3: Was that shout me? Yeah, it was. was I think it was a little bit It really wasn't underhanded actually no, It was pretty yeah, straight yeah.
1: Pretty much a full spike yeah. uh, what, What's up with the Islanders?
3: In terms of going forward. This well, they, they won a playoff series last year, now they're horrible.
2: Well, let's let's talk
3: about that and let's talk about whether this firing was fair. If he's the he's the fall guy now, right? Mm-hmm. He, he's the guy that gets blamed for this. And and you can look I guess you can look at the development of some of their younger players, Ryan Strome, Brock Nelson, Andrews Lee, even Josh Bailey. Maybe those are guys that should have taken a bigger step forward or or maybe those those guys are just who they are. They're maybe not that great a player. But look at the offseason they had. Look at Garth Snow's offseason, okay? I don't want to. Yeah. They, it's bad. They, they lose Franz Nielsen, Kyle Ocposo, and Matt Martin, and then they, they signed and waived P.A. Barito, okay? Just to make a statement. And then Kyle Ocposo signs for seven years, $42 million, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay, so you go, oh, we can't afford that. Then you sign Andrew Ladd, who's three years older, yeah. for seven years and $38.5 million. So you saved yourself... Three and a half million dollars by okay. signing a three—a guy who's three years older. Three and a half million over seven years. Also, did to
2: yeah. sign Cal Clutterbuck to a five-year deal? Was he the one that was behind that? Because you got to got to lock that guy up. <laughs> I love these
1: rhetorical questions from Jamie. I miss these. Uh, three goal Cal Clutterbuck, to so, make sure you're running contract for half a decade.
3: Three goal Cal. It's oh, it, and and by the way, they also had three goaltenders until Jaroslav yeah. Halak went to the minors recently after being waived. Right? I,
1: I don't understand a lot of what they've done at the top of the list was the three goaltender thing. And the, the Kyle Oposa one, just, it makes no sense because that was somebody that not only did you know was good. And as you said, was younger than Andrew Ladd, but you knew he could play with John Tavares. So it wasn't just a matter like you can, you can sign a good player and, and he doesn't necessarily mesh with your best player. You know Kyle Loposo and John Tavares work well together. Really great friends. It, I, and the I weird know. thing
2: about that was, too, we knew about almost like a year, year and a half out that they weren't going to resign sign him. Yeah, like, that's, they just made the decision that, oh, yeah, he's productive, but eh.
1: That's what I don't get, because now you're hearing the other side of it of, well, they really thought they could get Steven Stamkos, and that's why they lost Loposo. Uh, no. We knew six months ahead of time, like Jamie just said. And, oh, by the way, Steven Stamkos signed before free agency started last year. So it wasn't like you're, you could have possibly had the the thought process of, we're going to get Stamkos. Oh, no, he signed. What do we do? Well, we already have internally decided we're not going to bring Kyle Oposo back, so let's yeah. just blow up our team.
2: And also they weren't getting Stamkos. No,
1: they weren't. But even if they thought they were, they knew if when free agency started. If there was
2: one other team in the National Hockey League, they were
1: not getting Stamkos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, just, it just wasn't <laughs> happening. It wasn't happening. Well, and there there are at least more than one other team in the league, so they should have been aware. Yeah,
3: and that's that's yet another point here, is why doesn't John Tavares have legitimate top-line wings to play with? Yeah,
2: poor John Tavares. Like,
3: it's just Seriously, unbelievable. Seriously, uh, at this point, how are you wasting this piece? Okay, okay I've, I've got a couple questions for you. Okay. First of all, he's
1: only making $5.5 million still. He's t- he took team-friendly deals to make sure that this team would be better, and they've somehow gotten worse. So my two quick questions for you so we can hit other topics.
2: That's probably enough to buy an apartment in, in Manhattan.
1: <laughs> he, has, he still has a roommate. He's one of the best players in the league. Is John Tavares still an Islander in 2019?
3: I, I can't imagine them letting him get away. Really? I can't imagine. I mean, But what he, if they think
1: they can get Steven Stamkos in 2019?
3: I don't, I don't see Tavares going away unless he just takes a hard line stance and says, hey, I'm done. Look, yeah. I'm done with this franchise. Because would you blame him? You, no, I wouldn't. I absolutely wouldn't. But it, it, I'm going to have to hear that come from, come from him or his representation first, because I don't think the Islanders would make the decision to walk away from John Tavares, and I think they'll pay what they need to pay to keep him. But
1: I don't think you're going to hear it from John Tavares because John Tavares doesn't speak. Well, you'll hear it from his agent. That's true. Agents always speak. You know, yes, I,
3: even if they're speaking through reporters, <laughs> national reporters, they still speak.
1: I don't think the Islanders but, are going to be like, we got to get rid of this guy. But I, I would think at some point he's probably like, hey, you know, if I played on any other team, I'd probably be challenging for a cup because they would build around me, and Luke still thinks I'm one of the top yeah, yeah. players in the NHL.
2: i you. In five years, what's more likely to be associated with the Islanders, Tavares or the Barclays Center?
3: Well, I, I, by my argument earlier, I'd still say Tavares. Yeah, probably Tavares. I mean, I it's a they, franchise guy. I think guy. they'll sign him.
1: You, you have to. You get that first pick, and you take a guy who's – been a Hart Trophy finalist and he's still young. Look, there's nothing wrong with John
3: Tavares or his representation walking into the room and saying, "All right, you want me back? What are we going to put around me? You talked about this before and we haven't done anything. What are you putting around me? Now, finances may be part of the problem, right? I mean, you look at their situation, it's not great. I I was just out at the last game. The Coyotes played there and that place was half full. Mm -hmm. And it's it's a terrible facility for the NHL. Yeah. They don't belong there, but it's not like they have a lot of prospects. I know there's a lot of chatter about it, but still got to get done. But regardless, if you want John Tavares back, you at least have to get him some legitimate top line Give him a reason
2: to come back.
1: You don't think Alan Quine is enough of a reason? Oh, no, yeah. Quine time? If you're John Tavares and you're going to have that conversation, shouldn't you probably be having it in about an hour? I mean, I, I would want them to start building next year, not the year I'm going to be sure. a free agent. He's a free agent
3: in the, after next season. Sure, but yeah. you can go into this off season saying, "Look, I'm going into my contract here. Impress you want me. to talk contract this off season? Show me, show me what you're doing. Sure. We can talk then." He's the most wasted talent in the NHL, correct? I have a hard time arguing yeah. that. I'd have to look,
1: but I, you're not going to find it. I mean, who else is that good? That that is? I, I know they won a playoff series last year, but that was the most. Yeah random series ever
3: and that wasn't progress obviously because it was interesting story ahead. actually for FanRich Sports I think. Yeah. Well it was the gonna wasted be wasted talents in the NHL. Who yeah. else would be on that list? Nathan McKinnon maybe? It was gonna be yeah, the Nate McKinnon.
1: It was gonna be a Lipinski list, remember? And then you and Lipinski I were talking and we were just like do we it's do really those? just John Tavares. I can't Lipinski
3: remember last time. No I think we the did the last one we did was
2: like the the movie the creepy songs back in
1: <laughs> back at behind the mask not accurate. We did one (laughs) like three weeks ago. I can't remember the last Lipinski list I came up with, so I don't think we do that. Well, you came up with one and changed it on us. What
2: I do know (laughs) is Thomas Grice is playing pretty well for the Islanders, and boy, somebody should write about how good all the
3: ex-Coyotes goaltenders are doing right now. Oh, nice plug for my story this week. It's coming. I'm not telling you when. Stay tuned. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, I don't really want you to read it, so you have to just constantly refresh
3: your computer screen until it pops up. That's no, more about my memory. Maybe Jamie may remembers which day it's on the budget. No, you had. Is your that chance. tomorrow? I think, I think it, it is. I think it's tomorrow. All right. I
1: capitals or Doan? <laughs> this is a, you, you guys can pick. That is like, well, well, yes. Adventure. There's a Thursday connection there, isn't there? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, supposedly Shane Doan's going to be playing on the same line as. Yeah. It's, let's start with Doan because. Craig has stuff to tell us. And, uh, I do? or Well, you have some records to set straight, at least.
3: Well, I...
1: How about... I'll just set you up, and you can answer questions. How's that? Okay. Shane Doan... Let's start with easy ones. We're playing Pyramid? <laughs> Shane Doan is a free agent at the end of the year, and this could be his last season in the NHL. Correct. Okay. What is true. What is true. <laughs> you don't have to say what is on the pyramid. <laughs> oh, um, we're
3: doing pyramid. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> any chance that Shane Doan... Ends his career on a different team.
3: Yes, there's a chance. Okay. Do you want percentages? <laughs> <or> <laughs> I, can, I can't lay percentages on <laughs> no, this. I'm, I mean, just, these are, I'm trying to okay. set you up
1: with talking points, right. and you're giving me one-word answers. There's take a
3: your chance. Respo-
2: Take your responsible journalism somewhere else. And I, yeah. Hot takes. <laughs> I, should have,
1: I should have asked an open-ended question. How's that? Okay. Craig, where do you see Shane Doan finishing this season?
3: I see him finishing the season as a Coyote. Okay, I, so do I, I. Here, here, here's here's my take on this. Right? Oh, I know where, I, I know where we're it. going with this. <laughs> Jeez, that's was like pulling all of somebody's teeth. Look, there's 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 a lot behind this story. More of which is coming out. Part of it, you know, Shane Doan is considering. He is considering. Do I want to chase a cup in what, in all likelihood, is my final season? He's had a lot of people in his life encouraging him to do this for the last few seasons, telling him it's worth it. Now. I would point out that some of those people, Ray Whitney being one of them, have been with several teams. They don't have the same story as Shane Doan. Shane Doan's been with one franchise his entire career. None of those guys can say the same thing. And it means something to Shane. It means a lot to Shane, actually. It's a source of pride for him. It's his identity in a lot of ways. It really really is. is. It really is part of his identity. So, are you going to... And I I don't think it tarnishes his legacy in the minds of anyone outside... I think it might tarnish Shane's legacy in his own mind down the road if he makes this decision. Will he look back on it with regret that I didn't, you know, three months, I didn't finish the final three months with that one franchise. I can't say I was the guy who played for one franchise his entire career. I can't be Larry Fitzgerald to cite another guy in town and finish with the same team. I know there are some differences in the circumstances. Now, there there are some things that are making him unhappy right now. His role, he's not playing nearly as much. As he was last year, when he had 28 goals, his role is a lot different. But they talked about this at the start of the season. You know, they knew that they were going to try and push youth more, and he was going to be phased out a little bit more. He understood it. He said he understood it. Understanding it and accepting it are two different things. When you're, when,
1: when you're you've in got the a, moment.
3: yeah. Well, you're a professional athlete. You want to you want to be the guy out there. And when the team's not having success, and you're not in a role maybe to push them along a little farther, it, it eats at you. Whether Shane could still do it or not, we don't know. But, again, this is about the future with the Coyotes. This, this really isn't about this season. So that's eating at him. Yeah, as John Gambador wrote today on Arizona Sports, there are some issues probably with the way this thing is being managed as well. He's probably not entirely happy. You look at their center position, for example. They put a lot of eggs in the basket of Dylan Strom being ready this year. and He wasn't. So you buy out Antoine Vermette. And granted, Brad Richardson got hurt, too. If Brad Richardson isn't hurt, this might be a different conversation. But still, their center position is deficient. So what do you end up doing? You end up claiming guys off waivers that the Toronto Maple Leafs and Winnipeg Jets didn't want. That's not a good look for a franchise. When you're you're plucking guys that couldn't make two teams that are marginal playoff teams at best, maybe not playoff teams. So I'm sure all of that is feeding into this. But what he's got to decide again is, Am I letting all of that cloud my view of the bigger picture? Am I I'm, am I letting it cloud everything that's come before this and what being a part of this franchise has meant to me?
1: I think, it, obviously, he's got to, like you said, he's got to weigh things out. And I know there's always this narrative when he re-signs with the Coyotes, and generally it comes from north of the border. that ah, Shane, Dunn, Shane Dunn doesn't care about winning. He just cares about his life. He's one of the most competitive people I've ever met in sports. The yeah, talk to him after win. a loss, right? Yeah, he just... He just hasn't experienced as much winning as you would think throughout his career. And so when you talk about weighing his legacy versus chasing a cup in what is probably his final season, uh, I think the second that's brought up to any Coyotes fan, their stomach just turns. And yet the majority I've spoken to, none of them want him to leave. Everybody wants to be there for that game against Minnesota to end the season. Mm-hmm. With Shane Doan's last night, everybody knows it is if that, if that proves to be the case. Everybody, I would guess, will know by that point everybody wants that sort of that moment. But at the same time, I have not talked to a single coyotes fan that would begrudge him. If he went to ownership and said, Hey, get what you can for me. I'm going to give it one shot here. I'm going to, I'm going to give it a shot here to end my career. And it's different. I've, I've made this point off the podcast before. It's different. If you sign with the team as a free agent, in the offseason thinking they give you a better chance to win the cup. Anything can happen over the course. Of 82 games. That team might not end up being as good as you think, but with a month and a half left in the regular season, you know which teams are legitimate cup contenders. And for Doan, I don't think he has to win a cup for it to be worth it. I think he just needs to be in the playoffs his final season and maybe win a series or two. I don't want him to leave. I would prefer he stayed. Like you said, Craig, I still think he will ultimately stay, but nobody's going to begrudge him if he doesn't. No, I agree with that
3: entirely. I think most people would wish, if, if he makes the choice to leave, I think most people here would wish that Shane chose the right team. Yes. And had, had the option of choosing the right team, right? Because that plays into this as well. Who wouldn't want to see this guy raise the Stanley Cup? Everybody be a, will be pulling for that team. Unbelievable story, yes. A, agreed, completely. But, as he noted himself, it has to be the perfect situation, and that doesn't happen very much in this league. First of all, there has to be the demand for a 40-year-old player who is probably a fourth-line player now. Does he want to go to that situation? And are are the right teams interested in him to put him in a situation to win a Stanley Cup?
1: He's been a Coyote since before Wumbo was popular. So, you know... I, Wow. That's that's one well, way to you, really... You
3: accuse me of old references. Wow. Well, it's got, that's the whole
1: point. It's yeah, got to be dying. an old reference. How about this? Let's put it more in Craig's term. He's been a Coyote since 20 years after Barbra Streisand was popular. Is that better for you? <laughs> Does that help?
2: <laughs> I, I, to me, I, and I think Craig's point was a good one, and we talked about this a little bit before the show, it's what team, if he decided he wanted to, to chase a cup and, and leave the Coyotes, what team is going to give him that role, a role bigger than what he's currently playing on this team? Because most of the cup contenders... Are cup contenders because they have a number of quality players on their team that are already performing for them. Where is that fit? Is somebody willing to put them on a power play unit? Is somebody willing to put Shane Doan on a second or third line? Are you waiting for some for a major injury for he that he's kind of a, a fill in? Maybe they don't get the top guy that they want on the trade market and say, you know what, we'll bring this this guy in. And you know, I'll, I'll let Craig talk a little bit more about this. But what if I want to talk? Okay. Um,
1: no. Okay. Nah. We'll just let Craig talk. Go ahead.
2: But how much of an impact? Because everybody talks about the locker room impact that Shane Doan makes with the Coyotes. Well, what's the locker room impact he's going to make in a, in a month, month and a half span with a with a veteran team that is a cup contender? Is he going to go? I'm just talking. team He's going to go in the. What is his voice going to mean in the Penguins locker
3: room? Yeah, that's one of those narratives that gets thrown out there so often, and I think is overplayed. Oh, you, who wouldn't want a guy like Shane Doan in the locker room? Yeah, you know what. You're right. Who wouldn't? He's, he's a fantastic guy. But he's not going to have nearly the influence in any other locker room that he has here. He means he's, more here. Of course, and, that, and that's inevitable because they don't have a history with him. These players don't have a history with him. You don't just walk into a locker room and suddenly become a leader. Especially, I hate to say it, if you're a fourth-line guy. Normally, leaders are guys who are some of the better players on the team. Now, Shane's got a lot of history with this franchise, and people have seen what he's done in the past, including last season when he had 28 goals. If he goes to another team, yeah. there's no history at all. So are you expecting him just to walk in and, and you know gather the troops, be the shepherd that leads him to a cup? I think that's unrealistic.
1: The Penguins' example is interesting because Mike Sullivan was his roommate at one point, and now he's the coach of the Penguins, and, and that's one of those teams where you think – I think, hey, you know, Shane Doan could still play a third-line role, and I think he could could still put the puck in the net. I mean, he's a a guy that can set up in front of the net. He evolved his game to do that over the last couple years, and unfortunately for the Coyotes this year, they're just not getting set up in the other team's zone enough. And so if you've played hockey at any level, you know how frustrating it can be as a forward to get up and down the ice, get set up, and then the puck is cleared, and you have to start all the way back over. He'll be more effective and productive on a team that has a lot of offense, but using the Penguins as an example, is he cracking the Nick Benino, Carl Haglin, Phil Kessel line that won them a cup last year, because that's their third line.
3: Yeah, that, no.
1: No. And I'm I'm sure there is a team, but I ultimately I still I still think he means more here, not just to the community, but you know, the Coyotes still have meaningful games this season in terms of you need to get these these young players to not accept losing, to keep developing. You want to see Christian Dvorak still getting better and playing seventy five games when the season's over. And to me, Shane Doan it's not just his legacy; he can set this team up better for next year if he's here. And yeah. speaking
2: of next year, you know, you start to look at this Coyotes roster and you start to wonder: Well, who are go- who are the leaders going to be? If Shane Doan's possibly not back, if and is possibly not back, Martin Hansel. Hansel's possibly not back, who who are the leaders that are going to teach these young guys, and even more next year when we expect Strom and uh, we expect Perliti for a full season, and may- maybe some other players, maybe McGinnis makes a makes an impact, or
3: likely, really wish- or I mean, who's well.
2: who are going to be the, the shepherds? For right. those guys,
3: I think you have to. I mean, when you when you look at the Coyotes' cap situation, they're going to have a ton of money oh, that yeah. they need to spend just to get to the floor. Well, but they camp. can't buy well, a leader. Maybe you you might be able to get a veteran who can can step in at the start of a season and build that, rather than you know coming in it, it right is. at the end of the season. That,
1: that is different, and, you, and they're going to have to do that. But still ultimately, it's got to be guys that have been in this room for a while that are the main leader, don't yeah, you agree? Yeah, they're going to need Oliver, And that's all. To take a huge yeah. step
3: up in that regard.
1: And I think Max Domi, too, although the problem is Max Domi's yeah. missed so much of this season that he still only has played, what, 90 NHL games? Or, and you he's know, still quite incredibly young. I mean, what's, I mean, the reality is, is
2: what's to, Max Domi going to teach you about a playoff push? Yeah. I mean, what's what you know what I mean?
1: I, I completely that's agree. not his fault. No, it's, it's just, not.
2: It's, it's a product of his age and how long he's been in the league. He
1: does have a little, and I completely agree with you, I'm not. I'm not, you know, Disagreeing with that point at all, but he does at least have a little different perspective, in that he grew up around Ty Domi and Matt Sundin and Mario Lemieux. So compared to other 21-year-olds, oh, but yeah. yeah, I'm growing I'm up completely around the game, with
3: you. absolutely. So I don't know, something to watch. With uh, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, we got a lot of time here still. And again, let me let me stress this too. While Shane Doan has said he's open to the idea, the Coyote and, and John Schaefer said today that if Shane is interested in being traded, they'll they'll talk to him about that. But I think they owe him that. That conversation hasn't happened yet. And you should also know that Shane Doan hasn't fully committed to that yet. He hasn't fully committed to, okay, I want to be traded to a contender. He's thinking about it, but no calls are being made on that front at this point.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great, that's a great way to end that conversation just because the second Shane Doan's name gets put out there with willing to waive no trade clause, people are like, well, he's getting traded, where's he going? It's not the way this works. And if you know Shane Doan, you know it's not that simple. He didn't just flip a switch and say, like, I want out of here. That's not the case.
3: Yeah. So, I, I, And, again, when I say no calls are being made by the team or, or by his agent, that's that's not happening at this point. It's it's premature to talk about that. It's premature to talk about teams that might be interested in, in acquiring Shane Doan.
1: Let's uh, quickly, before we get to Corey Hirsch and Mike Russo, we've got to talk about the Washington Capitals, who are the <laughs> latest Metro team to go on a 9-plus game-winning streak. <laughs> so, uh, there, and the streak ended, they lost 8-7 to the Penguins, and it just I don't know if there's a more vintage Capitals-Penguins type game where there's 15 goals scored and like 9 lead changes, but I will say this before we hit that game, they had a 9-game winning streak, they beat the likes of Pittsburgh, Chicago, Columbus in that streak, Montreal, yeah. they outscored their opposition 40-11. to Yeah, I was going to say, they beat them badly, yeah. they beat good teams, good teams. badly. Teams. And they were hammering the Penguins in that game before some switch got flipped.
3: That's the way a streak should end, though, isn't it? It is. If, if you're going to have a nine-game winning streak end, what a great way to have it end.
1: How, I don't have the answer to this, so I'm going to have to look it up. But how many of these long winning streaks in the Metro this season have ended at the hands of another Metro team? Mm-hmm. Because at least Columbus and Washingtons have. And and usually they end in the midst of somebody else's streak. It's That division is absolutely absurd. I've, I... We're getting to the point where I haven't ever seen anything like this in the NHL. Oh,
3: plugging yet another one of my stories coming Sunday. Well, at least you know when that one's coming. The other one's coming Thursday. Oh, okay. okay. Oh. What was that story again? Um, oh, yeah. uh, co- oh ex-Coyotes goalkeepers. Not a big deal. But that's
1: it,
2: yeah. Who else is on that? Grice, Dubnik, those are Chad Johnson. Chad Johnson? Chad Johnson,
1: okay. that's right. Yep. Brzezgalov? No.
2: Go. No, oh, okay. Coming i going back
1: with my narrative. <laughs> If you ever write a book on so the title. topic of the game, <laughs>
3: Don't Ruin My Narrative, that yeah, would be a great title for the book, actually. I like that. Yeah. It the first time I've actually been interested in writing a book.
1: Don't Steal, Don't Ruin My Narrative. How's that? <laughs> uh, yeah, the Capitals hadn't lost since December 29th.
3: Okay, a couple of things here. Nicholas Backstrom, on track to have his best season since 2009 10, also getting a lot of attention for his defensive play. Again, Ooh. I don't know if this is a one
1: season, but Number one center?
3: Maybe. Oh, look that, at that. That's where I was going with this. I that's, know where you're going. That with is where I was going. Wow. Is he. I don't know. Do, do we read this as him taking a step up into that? I've always thought he's a very good player. No doubt about that. But his production has been incredible this season. He's been very good defensively. And that, in my opinion, has been one of the missing ingredients for the Capitals inability to win the Stanley Cup. I'm gonna say something silly Uh-oh. right now. Oh, God. I think they're well, going. I'm gonna pick the normal. Uh, uh, yeah, but well, you
1: know, are you I, gonna pick the Cavs? I might throw captain? this pen at, at Jamie. No, I just I think they're gonna go on a deep run. I, it's tough for me to pick anybody out of the I Metro. Really going on that much of a
2: limb. I mean, I know the, the Metro is really good. But. When's the last time they went on a deep run? Well, what's a deep run? The, the conference final? They they at get least to the conference
3: final. Yeah, I think at they least. Can. Okay. Right, so win at least two. Okay.
1: And that, uh, I mean, they're matched up to play the Penguins in I'm round not one, any more bets. and then Columbus in round two. No, I don't feel We're nearly up as every strong. Every morning of.
3: thinking about wearing an Eric Carlson.
1: You may shirt, as well just so put that on. I'm any more. That's happening. The Capitals is, is, is risky. It's a proposition that that <laughs> I would not ever bet actual money or dignity on that. But uh, better possession numbers. Yes. Nicholas Backstrom playing better. They're not the favorites this year. They they
3: are one of those teams that can't handle the expectations. That it's just called for what it is. And yet, they might still be the best team in the NHL. And by the way, Brayden Hopey was on fire until that Penguins game. Yeah. Just on fire. He had climbed up in the top five in save percentage in the league. And this is this guy who's a you know he's he's in the conversation for the Vezina again. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure whether I put him as the third guy right now or Corey Crawford, um, but he's right there. So they're getting the goaltending as well. It's a good team. Yeah, it is a good it, team. It, it's, it's, it's a very good team. Those play- I, I, was, I was thinking about this the other day. Imagine if we had the old-style playoffs where it was within the division. Four plays one, two plays three, and then the winners play each other. Imagine that in the Metro this year. First of all, Philadelphia wouldn't make the playoffs.
1: No, which uh, I, I like this already. But it, yeah, you like you like the matchups. I like uh, both. I yeah, just
2: like the idea of Philly not being in the playoffs. Yes,
1: and I like the matchups. Do you realize if Philly misses the playoffs by like a point this year, they can look back at getting swept by the Coyotes, and that would be why they would miss the playoffs by a point or two. But no, to your point, the I I don't like the setup for the playoffs. I don't like that two and three. I don't like that it's constantly division rivals, which is basically the opposite of what you're saying. And, and I don't know. I like the one through eight because you get different matchups every year, but. Part of the reason I don't like it is in a year like this, it's not fair to Washington or the right. Rangers or Pittsburgh or Columbus, whereas Ottawa and Toronto or something, or s- s- Toronto and Boston are set to play right now in the Atlantic. So here's a free win, and we saw it last year when the Islanders and Panthers played.
3: It's a trade-off for developing rivalries, because as, as any coach or player will tell you, rivalries are really born in the postseason. Yeah, that's, when, that's when they get cemented. So. You have the chance for that when you're, you're playing a team over and over. Chicago-St. Louis, for instance, it happens over and over again. They're, you develop a good hatred for the other team. But, yeah. yeah, I see what you're saying. Like, this year, man, a couple of good teams might go out in the first round. A yeah, couple really good teams.
1: How about this? If the season ended right this second, Philadelphia wouldn't make the playoffs. Toronto would. Mm-hmm.
3: You mentioned that before. Toronto and Edmonton being in the playoffs is just messing with the world. Not only
1: that, Toronto has 50 points, Boston has 51. Toronto has five games in hand on Boston for the second-place spot in the Atlantic Division.
3: Yeah. I I want to see that. I I really want to see both of those guys in the playoffs, Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid. I want to see it happen. You're definitely going to see McDavid in. Yeah, I think think Edmonton's getting in. That's Mm -hmm. a given. That's that's a cool story in and of itself. But Toronto, you know, with with all their youth— And I know people come, well, how come the Coyotes can't do that? Because they don't have Austin Matthews, that's why.
2: Well, Yeah, also, just having (laughs) youth is one thing. Having talented youth across the board, and developed talented youth, is a different sort. They're just a little ahead.
3: Yeah. And and they have Austin Matthews. And they got Austin Matthews. They have have, have a franchise center. They have Austin Matthews, okay? That's why. Yeah,
2: they have a franchise center, and their young guys are a little bit more developed. Yes. it It takes time.
1: This is all because Austin Matthews wasn't three days older. Let me ask you this before we get to Corey Hirsch real quick. Buffalo... And I understand Jack Eichel's been hurt, but they're right there at the bottom of the Atlantic. Is there that much of a drop-off from McDavid and Matthews to Eichel, or is this kind of an incomplete Yes, season? yes.
3: Okay. Yes, I think there is. I That's... think Jack Jack Eichel's a good player. He's not a franchise center.
1: Because when that draft was happening, the, the talk was constantly, if Austin Matthews was three days older, he would go to whoever had the third pick. No, he would have gone second. Do pick. you think so? I Be- do. Because yeah. I, 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 talked, I actually talked to a couple of scouts at the time, and they were saying... Matthews is almost McDavid. McDavid was always going first. Yeah, But yet, the general consensus that year was Eichel's more developed well, than I, I think it
3: would have changed if Matthews had been in the draft and people started really digging into what scouts thought a lot. Okay, that's I think awesome. Austin Matthews would have yeah. been the number two pick, and so you're talking about Jack Eichel being the Coyote, which... Which wouldn't be a bad thing, no, obviously. Than what they have, but
2: yeah. and I think you look at it, and especially when it gets down to two players like that, the second player always gets talked. I remember when Puliarvi was being talked yeah. about? maybe he's better? Than, it, it, it happens all the
3: time with Nico, right? It's yeah. what's happening this year. No, that's oh, true. He's, he's going to supplant Nolan. Pe- people, Patrick. no, it's not. He's pe- not going first. Nolan pe- Patrick is going first if a team is taking. People the just people, get bored. Uh, yeah. I mean, Colorado bored. Is the first
2: pick. They right. get bored. They want. They want there to be some controversy. They want there to be some.
1: Mystery to it. Just think, if if Jack Eichel wasn't in that draft either, uh, Ivan Provorov could be better than Connor McDavid. We don't really know yet. And then draft day, it takes Edmondson one second to race yeah. up to the podium. Not like they've done this five times in the last ten years. Yeah, they are rehearsed it. Get yeah, it the podium. all they right. Know the pathway. We- <laughs> They should have like their don't own need directions anymore. It should be like when you have the fast pass if you're driving in LA, <laughs> where you don't have to even wait in the HOV lane. Edmonton should just get like a little elevator right up to the podium for the first pick. All right. On that note, we're going to talk to Corey Hirsch and get some uh, some of his thoughts on on the goaltending around the NHL right now. All right. We're joined now by NHL analyst Corey Hirsch. You can find him on Twitter at Corey Hirsch. There's an E and Corey. Uh, I got to say, one of the funnier. Twitter follows out there in the <laughs> world of hockey. I, I definitely have followed Corey for a while, and he's, he's pretty hilarious. Uh, Corey, thanks for joining us. I don't even know where to start with the way the NHL is going right now, so I'm, I'm going to start with that Capitals-Penguins game the other night with 15 goals, and then last night there was 59 goals in the first seven games before those two late games. What's, uh, in your opinion, the, the reason for the sudden offensive outburst here?
4: You know, what? I, wish, I wish I had an answer for you, but um – you know, the NHL, now they're talking about bringing these new pants in. Like, Do we need them now? Jeez, so many goals uh, the last couple of nights. But usually things tighten up right now. I- I'm wondering why that was the case last night, if it was just a-, a weird thing. I watched the Dallas-New York Rangers game, and good Lord, if Henrik Lundqvist could stop a puck, uh, I'd never seen him that bad. It was just, I've never seen it out of him like that.
3: Well, that's a nice segue for us, because I, I, that's my first question for you. As a former goalie, What's going on with Lundqvist? Is this a blip, or are we finally seeing the decline of one of the greatest goalies this game has ever seen? Yeah, well, I mean, first off, did you see what, wait, is, is baby blue on the front of his pads? Like, does
4: he not know what Ranger blue is? <laughs> I mean, you know, think, like, what, is, what is that? Oh, fashion oh, my police God. to start here. Yeah, okay. Right. Lundqvist is getting older, so that's the thing. And the style that he plays, okay, so uh, that style is taught by Benoit Lair who taught Sean Burke, who taught... Utah, all these guys? And what happens to these goalies is is that they're good as they're younger, but then that's a tough thing to play—a tough style to play as you start to age. Because to play that close to your goal line, you have to be really quick, and your angles have to be perfect. And I think you might lose some of that—you um, know—some of that speed. So we might be seeing a little bit of a decline of, of Lundqvist. I'm sure we'll see him come back, and he'll—you know—he'll have some good games. I think it's part of it. Uh, you know. He may have to tweak his game a little bit to to get rid of that lack of speed that he's probably losing as he ages.
3: In, in light of that, and I'm sure that the, you know the Rangers had to know this was coming at some point, but with all the retooling that they did, and they did a pretty good job when you look at what this team is accomplishing in a brutal division this year, I'm guessing that's the last thing that they were worried about at this point at least. Maybe a couple years down the road, but now do they maybe have to worry about their goaltending heading into the postseason?
4: Well, I think that that's probably a concern on their mind, but uh, you know, you have to go back to what he's done for that organization and think that he can do it again. I would have a really strong backup uh, plan, you know, uh, which is a possibility, but. God, I'd be nervous because they have a good team and he is just not playing well right now. But Henrik's done this before, though, too. He's gone through it where he's been like a month where he hasn't been very good and then he turns it on and then all of a sudden they win the Stanley Cup. But this might be different. This might be the end of, of you know, what we've seen. So if I'm the Rangers, I'd make sure that my backup is ready to go. And if they don't think that he's the right guy, then they're going to have to go and find someone here at the deadline.
2: And to that point, what's a fair evaluation period for goaltenders? What what takes it from small sample size to an area where this is a massive concern?
4: Ah, uh, you know that's a good question. I I think with a goaltender, it's like a it's like a baseball pitcher, right? You know, once they've done it before and they've done it for you, and you always kind of keep going back to the well, and and so it's typically over the course of a career for a guy like that. But you know how hockey is now is, is that. Coaches are getting hired and fired left and right, and coaches don't have the patience anymore. I mean, if a guy's not going well and the other guy's playing better, you know, you're gonna you're probably going to go to the other guy. Um, I mean, if we looked at the sample size of my career, my first year was really good. It was the other three that weren't so good. So, <laughs> so what part do I fall under?
1: <laughs> uh, Corey, you look at the Metro, and that's obviously, that division's not helping uh, Henrik Lundqvist's stats, but... You look at a team like Columbus or Washington or Pittsburgh or even the Rangers, and I think on the surface, I at least look and I'm like, okay, well, the, the Stanley Cup representative from the East is coming out of that division, but then you realize they're all going to have to play each other in the playoffs. How do you see this shaken out in that division?
4: Yeah, that, <laughs> that's like a, it's almost like the, the Blues division now, the one that they were in with Chicago and all that. I, I like Columbus. I think they're a good team. I'm concerned about Bobrovsky's durability. If he goes down, they're done they are absolutely done. You'll see them go back to being a very average hockey club. And they're a good team. But without Bobrovsky, they're not you know, they're not what they are. So that's a tough one. But you know, you got uh you got the Rangers in there and you got some of the got some good the Rangers are good, Pittsburgh's good, Montreal's good. Um and then it boils down to experience, guys that know how to win. I mean I'd still be worried about Pittsburgh uh and, and that crew. And if they can if Sydney has a chance to win another cup in the season that he's having I'd be nervous about them. And I talked to uh, a couple guys from the Rangers when they were in town, and they said Pittsburgh was the best team they'd seen all year. Oh,
3: Luke is smiling here. <laughs> yeah, I'm always <laughs> smiling, I can't see we'll it, but he's smiling. <laughs> and I'm, I got drafted by the Rangers, so I'm
4: a, I'm a big Rangers guy. So it's hard for me to say that Pittsburgh's going to be the be the team to beat.
1: Uh, I, I can't believe I'm asking this question in the middle of January, but if I'm doing the math right, if the season ended today the Toronto Maple Leafs would be in the playoffs. Um how much how much of this is, is at least real to the point where you think they're gonna hang around and be in the race for the full eighty two games? And second part of that, is Austin Matthews potentially exceeding your expectations at this point?
4: Yeah, you know what? With uh, with Toronto, I, I think I kind of I mean, oddly I I'll say it but you guys can call B S on me if you want. <laughs> it's just that I uh I kind of expected them to at least be uh, in the, like they are, in the hunt. I don't think they'll make the playoffs. I think there you'll see some other teams step up and really um, start to take over that, uh, you know, that last position that with the experience that they have and uh, all that. So, But I expect them to be able to do some damage and, and, and uh, cause some havoc there in that, in that division. But uh, Austin Matthews, uh, I think we all thought he would be good. I mean, we're 22 goals here to word in January. I mean, he's going to score over 30 easily. So um, that would, to me, I thought I would say, you know, he might get 20, 25. He's going to get 30, 35, possibly 40. So I think he's exceeded everyone's expectations, and that's why they're where they're at. And they've got a couple other good players, too. Marner, the Nealander kid. Um, it's been it's been good. It's good to see.
3: And I got to piggyback on what Luke said because he said he can't believe we're in January and he's talking about the Leafs being in the playoffs. <laughs> Edmonton is in the playoffs right now too. I know, right? Edmonton hasn't made the playoffs in a decade. How real do you see that? Um, and, and in light, I guess, of, of what's happening in the Western Conference too, with maybe some other teams being down, how real do you see the possibility of the Oilers making the playoffs? Yeah, be?
4: I like the Oilers. When you watch them here, that um, I like how fast they play. I like how quick they move the puck. Everly's got to get scored. He hasn't scored much. Uh, in the last I don't think he's hit a goal in the last fourteen games or something. So they have to get him going. But anytime you have a player like Connor McDavid, uh Austin Matthews, um, you know, your Sydney Crosby's, you know, those teams win cups one day. And uh you know, Edmonton hit. They finally hit on a superstar player on, on McDavid. So they are very real. Anytime you have that guy in your lineup, um, he's just so much better and sees the ice so much better than other players that um, you know, he's going to have them in a position to win and be a contender.
2: And going back to the Metro for a second, the Capitals just wrapped up that big streak they were on. When, when is it time for us to feel comfortable saying they're a cup contender again? Because we have seen this team dominate the regular season and then not quite get to where they need to go.
4: Yeah, and that's all a learning process. It, you know what, it really is true when they talk about guys and learning how to win a Stanley Cup. Like, it's great that you can get there. And that's why teams, they get there and then they lose out in the first round or they lose out in the second round because you really have to know what it takes. And I didn't really know that until I was, I was with the Rangers in 94 when they won the Stanley Cup and they brought in all those old guys like McTavish and Messier and they brought in Adam Graves and just so many players. And when you're around that atmosphere, those guys know what it takes to win a seven game series and when you're playing someone that's a great player but they you know they haven't really seen it before um you know they can they can step it up a notch when they need to step it up Chicago can do that Kane uh... I saw an interview with Kane where Kane said you know after game three I believe uh... we were with St. Louis and it was game three and they were down two to one in the series and he was like, "Okay, now the real series starts—the last four games." And he was right. Then Chicago just took over the series; those players just took took right over. Point is, is that those guys know how to win, and they know when when to turn it on in a series, and when to when they can pull it back a little
1: bit. Well, Corey, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that just changed my question. We've had a running debate on this show, and I'm one of those people that thinks Chicago, who, by the way, is leading the West right now, is going to be able to find a new level when they hit the playoffs. Now, they're not the same team that maybe they were a couple years ago when they won the Cup, but how do you see them uh, faring once the playoffs start in the Western Conference?
4: Well, there are, I mean, you said we saw what happened with St. Louis last year. St. Louis had a really good team, and it went right, right down to the wire because – those players know how to win, and they know what they're doing. And mentally, they just they just wear you down, and wear you down, and wear you down. This year, Chicago it is a little different, but it, they seem to be going on that two year cycle every second year, and it's so hard because the playoffs are so grueling that it's hard to win every year now. I would expect Chicago to take another run at it. I, I really do. Um, I like their team. I think yeah, even having Darling as a backup. I mean, he's look how good has he been for a backup if something goes down. So. I, you know, they're they're definitely a contender for me. I I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't just hand it to Minnesota right now.
3: Anything surprise you or jump out at you from the first half of this season?
4: Um, you know,
3: probably you know just in the last little while, I, I
4: think probably I, I would say you know the goaltending injuries, the lack of depth at goaltending for for some teams. Uh, Budai in LA actually coming into LA and really saving their season things like that. I would say mostly it revolves around the goaltending. Um, that, that's kind of what has surprised me, that all these injuries we're having, but there's some guys step up and you're seeing some organizations that have the depth and some
3: that don't. We're going to get a chance to talk to Mike Russo from the Star Tribune in Minneapolis soon, but I wanted to get your thoughts on Devin Dubnik's season. I, I know he had an off night the other night, but he still has a chance to set the highest save percentage for a single season in NHL history, which... I, you know, I know the circumstances are a little different, but that's, that's still an incredible record. Your thoughts on what he's done this season and how real this is. How much of it is the team in front of him versus what Dubnik is doing?
4: Am I, am I allowed to say a little swear on your podcast? Is that okay? Oh, we love that stuff. That, <laughs> that, that's what drives me. R- Devin Dubnik should be kissing Sean Burke's ass because he <laughs> saved his career. And That might be the title of our podcast now. Right? He should be. Because he came to Phoenix, he was done. He was dead in the water. Nobody wanted that guy. And Sean Burke took him and basically showed him how a big goalie needs to play. And I wouldn't have been able to do that for Devin Dubnik because I didn't play that style. He came to Phoenix, found the right guy, the right coach, and has taken off ever since then. So that's my opinion. Now, Devin Dubnik's been amazing. He's had to stop the puck. He's had to do all that stuff himself. But Sean Burke gave him the really, I mean, gave him the the blueprint for what he needed to do, and he took it, and he ran with it, and he got on a team in Minnesota, yes, they are good defensively, but at the same time, again, I'd be kissing Sean Burke's ass if I was him.
1: (laughs) It's definitely the quote of the year. You know, along those lines, I mean, how how much thought do you think a goalie puts into the situation that they're going to when they look to sign as a free agent? I mean, sometimes they're just getting traded or whatever, but he ended up in the right spot with just the right goalie coach, whereas, you know, say a guy like Semyon Varlamov in Colorado is having a terrible year this year, and, and yet maybe maybe Sean Burke wouldn't be the perfect fit for somebody like that.
4: Right. No, exactly. Like, I, I would probably be more suited to coach a goalie like Varlamov for me, for my style that I played. Yeah. Um, so it, it's kind of finding that match. You know, I was good for Brian Elliott in St. Louis because we had a. I was able to give him what my thoughts were, and it worked for him. If Brian Elliott went to Sean Burke, well, maybe it wouldn't have worked for him, right? It's a different, a little different style. But I don't think at that point Devin Dubnik had put any thought into it. I think he was just trying to get a job. I don't think there was many people out there that wanted him, um, you know. And I think he was at, his, at the end of his rope. And sometimes, you know what, the hockey gods give you one back because he's a good guy and he's a good teammate. And, you know, he's done what he's done.
2: Uh, Corey, you know, we live in a sports world now where everybody's very hyper-aware of prospects, whether it's in hockey or baseball or any of the sports. Goaltenders, you know, specifically at that position, around what age should fans look for a goaltender to be ready to make an
4: NHL impact? It's typically yeah,
2: longer than a, a forward prospect.
4: Yeah, good question. Typically between 26 and 34, it's kind of like the, the, the prime years is what, is what you'll get, and then after that, there seems to be a bit of a drop-off. Um, Unfortunately for me, I was way better when I was thirty than I was when I was twenty-three, and I got all my opportunities when I was twenty-three. So it's like you go from prospect to suspect pretty quick if you don't, you know, if you don't get it done. But those are the best years because you've seen it. You. Goalkeeping is all about experience and what you've seen and what you've. You know what to do in certain situations. You know how to handle things. You don't freak out when the team gets, you know, things get hairy. You just kind of keep going, and that's why it, it's like again, it's like pitchers in baseball. It's like you know quarterbacks it's 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 all experience and then just being able to control those anxieties you get as a player
1: uh cory last one before we let you go just real quick any any young goalies around the league catch your eye as, as guys that you think are going to step into to pretty prominent roles in the next couple years yeah
4: well i mean gibson and anaheim is already i mean can we even can we even say that i like thatcher demko uh vancouver prospect uh he's a young guy i like um Hellebuck's been pretty good in Winnipeg. Those are those are probably the guys that I like right now at this point. Um, it's we've got a lot of really good goalies. Everybody's looking for that top five though, that Carey Price, the guy that can you know, the Jonathan Quick, the guy that can win you a Stanley Cup. Um, and there aren't that many out there. So if you get one, you got to hang on to them.
1: Good stuff, Corey. We enjoyed having you on. I'm, I'm sure we're going to call you again here down the line.
4: Awesome. Anytime, guys. Thanks, Corey. Take Thanks care. a lot.
1: I had some interesting stuff to, uh, to say there, especially with, in regards to Lundqvist at the beginning of that. I mean, if, if you look at Henrik Lundqvist, I'm one of those people that at the end of – I'll still be on the Henrik Lundqvist bandwagon when he's past his prime, when he's, when he's, when he's done, you know, whatever. When he's, when he's not as good, I'm still going to think he's better just because he's been so good for, for so long. But that's interesting what he says. You know, he talk about the actual goaltending style maybe isn't conducive to having success into your late 30s or, you know, obviously early 40s, especially when you're in New York and you're gonna be that scrutinized.
3: It's so rare that you hear insights like that that you you hear for the first time. Yeah, it's like, huh, I never thought about that before. That's that is that's that's very interesting. I'd, li- I'd like to ask more people about that. That's that could be what we're seeing here. But it, I agree with you in terms of Lundqvist. He gets a little more leash than, than we're giving him right now. Oh, I yeah, mean, no, I, I still think he, he's fine. Yeah, it, he might not be. It, this, this might be the, yeah. the start of his decline, but I, I don't think we can call it yet on Henrik Lundqvist because, as Corey said, he's done this before. He's had short periods where it looked like, whoa, what's going on? And then he turns it on in the playoffs, and suddenly you can't get anything past him again.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is rare territory for him. He's one of the few goaltenders who you can't look at a specific season and say, wow, he really bottomed out. I mean, every goaltender either had a major injury season or completely bottomed out and and I think we've talked about on the show where you know Carey Price uh, earlier in the off uh, earlier in the season where I said Carey Price might be the best goaltender in hockey but maybe the most trusted one would be Henrik Lundqvist because he's never struggled now he's struggling and now we get to see is this the beginning of the end or is it just a blip and you start to wonder you know as Corey mentioned he's about 34 now maybe this is the beginning of the end of of a hall of fame-ish level career for Henrik Lundqvist yeah
3: boy that would be a it would be bad timing for the Rangers, just when, when they when they did this nice job of retooling, and yeah. I still think I still think there are flaws with the Rangers, and I think still think they're in trouble when they hit the playoffs, but they did a pretty good job of remaking this roster on the fly and infusing some youth. Imagine if they have to worry about goaltending now, and it, it's Auntie Ross, that carries you into yeah. the playoffs.
1: Well, it, it doesn't help that Jimmy Vesey apparently retired at some point in the last month and didn't tell <laughs> <Right>? anybody either. <laughs> that's,
3: uh, again, that's part of, we call it part of that early in the season when he was hot. We we're saying they're going to slow down. He's going to hit the rookie wall at some point, and like he's hit it big time. It's just like it knocked him on his back.
1: Uh, I'm not going to just transition over to Mike Russo without mentioning that Corey Hirsch absolutely agreed with me on the Chicago Blackhawks. And when did we have Scott Powers on? Was that two weeks ago? Oh, I know also, Jamie was I'd th-
2: like to point out, Luke, yes. that uh, with all due respect, the Minnesota Wild currently lead the, uh, the Western conference.
1: That's fine. You're right, because they have games in hand. but Four of them, The, the, fact, the, yeah. the point is, as that's we right. sit here... Hey,
3: hey, don't rain on his parade, okay? I'm sorry. Don't let facts get in the way yeah. of Luke's rant. As everybody
1: sits here and talks Luke, about Luke how Luke Chicago... Luke on Chicago, that fake, fake Facebook news you're hearing so much about. <laughs> right, that's what Luke does. What was does. the
3: Caps Blackhawks score the other day?
1: How much of an impact does that have in the playoffs? Even with all the—and you guys have convinced me, and I've watched the Blackhawks closer, and I, I fully, I'm fully, i fully on board. It's not like I was ever denying that their depth is is not an issue or that they don't have other problems. But even with all that, they're still tied for the, the most points in the Western Conference. And that's two guests in successive weeks that have completely agreed with me without even knowing what my stance was.
3: I, and again, I, 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 I hear you, but I do think it is a— a blind belief in this accomplished core that they can, oh, they can just do it. You can turn it on in the playoffs. The Blackhawks are a two-line team. They're a two-line team, and their underlying numbers are not good. We had Carolyn Wilkie on this program, by the way, who was saying the Blackhawks are not a good team. Well, yeah, she didn't say they I weren't a good team. She did, actually. She said they're not a as... A good team this year. Yeah. She, no, but they're, which they're which, which is all that's they're relevant. Not,
2: they're not a good team with an excellent goaltender.
3: Yes, yeah, and, and she was on Twitter the other day talking about that as well, how Corey Crawford deserves to be a Vezina finalist because he's been under siege this year and he's the only reason. We're giving you a yeah, big-time shout out to Carolyn. Yeah, thank cheap thank plug, you for helping me out.
2: Cheap Plug Friday on uh, fanregsports.com. You can read all about Corey Crawford and why he should be
1: considered uh, for the Vezina more. Oh, I thought Cheap Plug Friday was a new feature on the podcast, but I guess <laughs> now... No,
3: now, maybe Corey Crawford can be one of the reasons that they, they advance, and, and as we talked about... The Western Conference hardly has any teams that's that are just the whole basis. We're of Stanley my Cup worthy, you know. The yes, whole yes.
1: basis of my argument is that they are not in the I, Metropolitan Division.
2: Agreed, but I'm, I I know they haven't done it. But I, the Wild are a good hockey team. I'm not ready just to dismiss them because they don't have experience going to a Cup. And they're coached by Bruce Boudreau.
1: I'm yeah. not I'm not dismissing them either. You to
2: stay out of Game Sevens. Yes. Or Games Seven.
1: A wild Blackhawks game seven. Uh, we all, I think, we're all leaning the same direction in that specific scenario. But you're right. The, the point on Minnesota is well taken, and we're going to get more insight right now from Mike uh, Russo, who knows the Minnesota Wild better than anybody. And this is a team that is showing signs of maybe being better than they were in years past. All right, uh, jo- joining us on the show now for the second time ever. So he's officially a friend of the show. He's reached that status, Mike Russo <laughs> of the Star Tribune. You can find him on Twitter at Russo's Trib. Cox Minnesota Wild hockey. He knows it better than than anybody. So uh, I, I'll start off with the simplest question I could possibly ask you, Michael. Is this team for real?
0: I think so. I think if you saw last night's game, you probably wouldn't think so. Um, you know, they they actually played a great first two periods last night, and I thought Corey Schneider was outstanding and and really uh, kept the kept the Devils in fighting uh, distance. And Devils scored a power play goal late in the period that gave them life. And then the Wild is to quote Bruce we uh, were a train wreck in the third period and played, to quote Bruce Boudreau dumb hockey. And, and really um, what was uncharacteristic is that it was Eric Stahl, Zach Parisi, and Jason Pomenville, uh three veterans all make up the top line that were the train wreck. Uh, they were awful, uh, not just offensively, but, but uh, were on the ice for all three goals in the third period and were starring roles in all three goals, they, uh, the last goal in particular. Uh, all three got caught, four on two the other way, and next thing you know, three of them are defending nobody. And so, um, you know, that, that's a lot of negativity that I just said for one game, considering this team was 17-1-1 in the previous 19. So, you know, they've beaten a lot of great teams. Uh, they've gone on the road to do it. They Up until last night, they've played the fewest home games in the league and yet are leading the Western Conference. So I think that it's hard to uh, let one game overshadow everything the team accomplished the last couple months. But they've got to get back on the horse uh, tomorrow against Arizona.
3: Yeah, to your point, this team has lost three games since December 1st, which is just insane to talk about. Mike, is could some of this just be a simple letdown to the streak, mm-hmm. to the big win in Chicago over the Blackhawks when they, they were able to take over the division lead?
0: I do think so. Uh, you know, uh, Devin Dubnik wasn't very good last night either, um, you know, and that was uncharacteristic as well. And you know, usually, uh, dude, it covers up the stakes, and last night he wasn't able to do that. I thought two of the goals in particular were stoppable, and the third goal, I know a lot of wild, the last goal, the winning goal, I think a lot of wild fans would have thought that it was stoppable too, but I look at that as complete breakdown and, and, uh, just horrific defense in front of them. So, um, I do think it was a letdown, and, and, and what has been shocking is that this team hasn't had a letdown for two months. They've debunked all the trends. They've, you know, they've, They they saw their 12-game winning streak cracked against Columbus. Columbus winds up losing four of their six after their winning streak ends, and the Wild wound up getting 11 of the next 12 points. And, you know, they've constantly come home after long road trips and and won games. And, you know, all the old trends that you hear in hockey that uh, this team has not fallen into trap of. And and yesterday was another one. Everybody talked about how this was a trap game coming in. But the Wild hadn't fallen victim to that really until uh, since November, and so last night, whether you want to say they fell victim to it or not, um, you know they they absolutely let down, and and so now they you know this is a team, it they've wound up being so good on the road that you do have to wonder now with a string of home games coming up how good they will be because sometimes it's actually it's harder to get on long winning streaks when you're playing at home constantly and you never get on the road, and so. I'll be interested to see if the Wild can can get their game back together. They played, starting last night, 13 of their next 18 at home, and while normally that would be a situation where you think they get on a huge streak, uh, sometimes that's not always the case.
1: Michael, uh, Eric Stahl leads the team in goals and total points. Uh, Obviously, when you sign a guy like that, you expect something from him. They got him at a pretty decent price, though. Did they expect anything like this?
0: Well, I know they hoped it, uh, you know, that he, he definitely looked like he uh, took a step back uh, last year and, and the last couple of years, and he's already, uh, you know, he, he needs one point to already eclipse everything he did last season in 83 games, actually, because he played one more than the maximum because he was traded to the Rangers. So, I mean, you know, he's had a tremendous start to the season. I think last year, you know, I, I will say this. I think that Parisi and Pominville have really struggled this year. And I think that there's going to have to come a point where Boudreau puts Eric Stahl with the best line mates and Eric Stahl could be successful rather than always putting Eric Stahl with two guys that he's trying to get their games together. And I think though it was proof last night that uh, that it's now really affecting Eric Stahl's game. And so, um, you know, I, I really think that Eric Stahl could have a lot more points if he had just consistently stayed with guys like Niederreiter and Coyle who had been so good with him back in December. So, uh but, you know, the, the real, really, Boudreau's looking at the big picture here, and he wants this team to get everybody running on the same page. And, and Parisi and Pommel have had tough starts to the season, and so he's trying to get them going by, by putting them with, uh, with Stahl and not wanting to break up the Koivu line, but it's sometimes to the detriment of Eric.
3: Mike, I want to ask you a big-picture question, and I'm sure Eric Stahl's renaissance factors into this, but how much has Bruce Boudreau meant to this team, and how can you tangibly measure that impact?
0: Yeah, I think you can measure it because they haven't had you know a a crazy swoon yet. That they uh, get on these winning streaks and haven't really uh, been affected at all uh, adversely, uh, you know, negatively. um, Where a lot of times in the last couple years, uh, it seemed like the Wild would start losing games and Mike Eko could do nothing to really turn it around. I do think that you look at the amount of players that have had big years. that has to go to uh, credit Boudreaux. I mean, you look at, you know, I thought they needed two of their four or five young kids to really step up and have big years this year. And four of them are really playing great in Granlin, Coyle, Niederreiter, and Zucker. And so, you know, I think that goes to Boudreaux, putting them in positions to succeed, you know, under Mike. And I'm I'm a big Mike Yo guy, but uh, but I do think that Mike fell into the trap of always deferring to the veterans here. And, and, you know, rarely really mixing up the personnel of the power play units. If it was a six-on-five or five-on-six in the last minute or two of the game, you always knew exactly what forward's going to be out here, out. Uh, out. Where, you know, in, in Bruce Boudreaux's case, he'll go with whoever's playing great. You know, we, the Wild had a game in Nashville last month where Jordan Schrader, a minor league journeyman, uh, wound up being elevated to the first line and then also played in overtime and assisted on the winning goal. And that's stuff that never would have happened under Mike. So, they're an aggressive, hard-for-checking team that also scores a lot of goals off the rush. And you guys know especially the Minnesota Wild are not known for being an offensive team, and they lead the conference in goals. And so, uh, you know, I think that has to go to uh, – and they lead the conference in goals without a superstar. So, you know, it, that has to go to the coaching that I think Bruce has brought.
2: You know, with as strong as they've been in the first half of the season, you look back to three years ago and two years ago, is this now another step forward in that progression after taking a notable step back last year?
0: Yeah, they did. You're right. I mean, they took a really – I think that Chuck Fletcher, the GM of this team, called it a huge disappointment last year, and I think they are taking a progression. Their goal – and I think this comes with another thing with Boudreaux coming here, with Eric Stahl coming here – is the expectation of this team is to go out and win the division. And I would have laughed if they said that before the season. And basically they did say it before the season, and I did laugh. Um, You know, you just look at the Wild, and you don't think that they have a chance to win a division with Chicago and Dallas, who was great last year, and St. Louis. And yet that has been their expectation from day one this year. And here they are at the top of the conference. They're tied with Chicago in points, but they've played four fewer games. And they have a legitimate chance, especially with all the home games that I brought up, that they put themselves in position if they could stay healthy, um, to have that, that, uh, that possibility. So I, I do think that, you know, but, but again, division or not, as you just mentioned, I mean, their, their goal is to go and win a cup. And, and last year they wound up, after two years in a row of being in the second round, losing in the first round at Dallas pretty easily. And this team's objective is to uh, finally make that step to at least get to round three and potentially round four. And we'll see if they have the ability to do that.
1: Uh, Mike, in terms of goals allowed, they're number two in the NHL, number one in the West. I know a lot of that is Devin Dubnik. But how much of an impact has Scott Stevens had on this defense?
0: Uh, huge. I mean, he, I think he's been on, uh, you know, I'm working on a big story on him right now, and, and I think that he has made an incredible impact to their penalty kill, to their blue line, to uh, getting Ryan Souter to kind of dial things back and not have to play 30 minutes a night. Um, I, I really think he's been, a, you know, and his communication skills are great. He absolutely commands respect. Uh, everybody, you know, these guys are all, even though they have a very young blue line, they're all old enough to remember uh, Scott Stevens and how great of a player that he was. So I think it's been big. Um, you know, I will say they have taken an absolute step back since about Christmas time. He's given up four goals in a game about six or seven times now in the last uh, 10 or 11. And, and so they've got to get back to their bread and butter. And, um, and a lot of it is goaltending. I mean, Dubnyk has not been, you know, he, he, he had a tough little stretch, which was amazing because he was so consistent the first 27 games, hadn't given up more than three goals. Then he gave up four goals in a game, three in a row, and got his game back on track in Anaheim against Chicago the other night, the great game that he played against Montreal. Um, But last night was, you know, one of the worst games he's played this year. And so, um, you know, as I'm sure he's going to be motivated with Arizona coming back. uh, He loves, uh, you know, uh, playing against that team, or at least since since, uh, he left. Uh, Arizona. I know that he's still very close to Mike Smith, has the immense amount of respect for Dave Tippett, and so you know that he'll get his game back on
3: track tomorrow. We just had Corey Hirsch on the program a little earlier who said that Devin Dubnik should be, quote, kissing Sean Burke's ass <laughs> for, for where yeah. he is at this point in his career. I just want to get a sense from you, dive in a little deeper into Dubnik's play. How much of it is the system? How much of it is him taking another step up? What do you see? What's the read on, on who he is right now? Does he, has he reached that elite status?
0: I think he has. I mean, you know, it, it, it actually, look,
3: the Wild have a great system, and they
0: protect him really well. But, you know, it, sometimes it just drives me crazy when people say that, that the goalie is just the product of the system. No, Devin Dubnick makes incredible saves you know all the time to keep teams in yes maybe he doesn't have to face the 30 chances that certain goalies have to face a game um, but but you still are getting scoring chances every game and you got to make those big saves and he's been outstanding and especially in the first month and a half of the season he had you know where where Devin Dubnik is so strong as mentally um, you know there earlier in this season this team wasn't scoring goals they weren't winning every night he was very close to falling below 500 despite leading the league and goals against average and save percentage, yet he never let that bother him. He never let that, I'm sure it bothered him, but he never let himself crack mentally. And the fear all the time when you have a goalie that's playing great but not getting victory is that eventually it affects him to the point that his game falls apart, and that never happened to Dubnik. And I think it's because he's such a laid-back guy, a laid-back guy that lets things just fall right off his back. And and so I think he's been outstanding. But, you you know, to to what Corey Hirsch said, um, I could tell you that if you sat down with Devin Dubnik right now, he would absolutely credit Sean Burke for a lot of, uh, you know, his success. Um, you, you know, there's no doubt that there's uh, a lot of gr- gratefulness to everything that the Arizona Coyotes did for him to get his career back on track. He was so far, so close to being out of this league, and the Coyotes gave him the, you know, the faith and offered him a lifeline, and he, to his credit, took advantage of it, and, um I know he was blown away and shocked when when the Coyotes traded traded him because he thought that you know he had created you know he was playing so well there that he was going to wind up staying there for a long time and and uh, but luckily again he's so mentally strong that he came here and took full advantage of it and all the kudos to him.
2: You mentioned Zach Parise struggles earlier. What's the internal feeling about why he's struggling and whether or not they think this is a short or long term issue?
0: Well, you know, I don't know. They're they're concerned. I can tell you that he's got eight more years left on his contract, so, so you know, they have reason to be uh, concerned, and uh, he's just not skating very well, and, and um, you know, definitely not producing uh, the way that we're all accustomed to seeing. He had a uh, season-ending back injury last year, herniated disc. He says he's healthy, but I think that stuff just, you know, slows you down, and then he's you know, he, he's had some lower body issues this year. He's been playing with a upper body thing for a while now. Um, and, and he's had strep throat three times this season. So I think that he's just, um, you know, what's really tough is that it looked like on the West Coast trip that he got his game completely back. He had points in all three games. He had a three-point night in San Jose where he was just tremendous in the third period. He scored a last-minute tying goal in L.A. to salvage a point. Uh, assisted on the uh, tying goal in Anaheim. And so, you know, it looked like the old Zach Parise was back, and then he hasn't uh, had a point in the last four games. And last night, again, was a minus three. So, uh, you know, he's just he's got the, the wild need him. And um, last night was proof of it. Uh, that was a game where, you know, he could have made a difference, and, and he made a difference in the, uh, you know, uh, negatively.
3: All right, Mike, last question from us before we let you get out of here the lingering question, both for the Minnesota Wild and for Bruce Boudreaux playoffs. (laughs) What do you see? What can we expect? It's obviously going to be a bigger and bigger question as we get closer to April.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And you know what? uh, He understands that. I mean, he volunteered. He joked yesterday, somebody asked him, what does it mean at this point in the season to be so close to even uh, leading the NHL in points? And he said, you know what? I've learned very much that it only matters what you do in your last game. And, uh, you know, he, he's well aware that if the Wild are ever fortunate enough to get to a Game 7, it's going to be a huge storyline. Uh, now, luckily for Bruce, uh, there are many more players and staff members on the Wild that have won Game 7s that, that might be able to offset his uh, his terrible uh, record in Game 7s. I mean, the Wild have never lost a Game 7 in franchise history. And they also have Eric Stahl, who won a pretty big Game 7 in 2006. And they have Scott Stevens, who's pretty good in them, too. So. So I don't think uh, that'll be a big, big thing. But you know, look, uh, there, the thing is, is that there's nothing you can do about it now. Everybody, you know, every time I tweet about the wild success right now, I got the naysayers in Anaheim or just you know, hockey fans that follow me on Twitter that make the little joke. Well, you know, wait till they wait till the playoffs. Well, look, there's nothing they can do now. They got to get to the playoffs first. The goal is to get home ice advantage in the playoffs. So then the goal is to then make a step as as an organization and him as a coach. Uh, but but you're right. I mean, he's never been in a Stanley Cup final. He's only been to one conference final. And uh, that will forever follow him until he breaks that, that trend.
1: It's Michael Russo. Again, you can find him on Twitter, at RussoSTrib. Mike, thanks so much for the time and the insight. Enjoy the rest of the season, okay? Anytime, guys. Take care. Thanks, Mike. It's good stuff there, as Same. always, from uh, from Michael Russo. A couple of things that he, he touched on that, that uh, stand out to me, <laughs> I guess, not the least of which is the fact that Zach Parisi's had strep throat three times this year. I mean, at what point do you just kind of... Stop kissing people. What? Sorry. <laughs> not where I was
2: going. <laughs> um, a fun fact, not so fun fact. Once I was in Florida, I had 12 strep throats in a year. What? Yeah, that was the thing that actually happened. Really? Like yeah. one every month? Or? Yeah. Or, well, sometimes couple,
3: multiple in a month, and then it was bad. And then you just went back to Florida like last week, didn't you? Yeah, I didn't get it then. Oh, that. That's probably why I'm out of Twelve times in a year. Yes, and nobody thought, "Wow, that's unusual." Oh no, they thought that was wow, well, that was did unusual. We started yeah, I, I, reasons why. Maybe I, that's
2: why I glow now. with just all the antibiotics I took <laughs> when I, in my youth. Like change environments. Yeah, like I moved like to Arizona. <laughs> <Yeah>. oh. um, <laughs> I got my tonsils removed. All that fun stuff. Wow. Well, but <laughs> it's not fun. What I'm saying, it's not
1: fun. <laughs> it takes it makes as an
2: experienced <laughs> strep throater. Throaty. Throater. I don't know.
1: Whatever. Uh, that's just. It's not fun. Not good. But for if Priesy's had three this year and he's banked up like. Is there a point at the season where maybe you sit him for a week right before the playoffs and just say, hey, buddy, just just get healthy here so we can have you at full strength for the playoffs? Because he has eight goals. This is penicillin. Take this. Oh, yeah. I guess maybe they could do that as well. Um, The Minnesota Wild, if you look at point differential in the Western Conference, which I'm sure you guys have done, let's see, the second best point differential in the West right now is San Jose at plus 15. A lot of teams are negative. Or goal goal differential. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm
3: sorry. I was confused there.
1: Minnesota is. That happens easily, actually. Plus 45. It's insane it's, it's not bad and the Scott Stevens thing I mean the reason I asked that is is that is something different this year. I know Bruce Boudreaux is a different thing and having Eric Stahl is different and every and all that and the more I watch Minnesota the more I think they really are capable of winning some playoff series this year, but I, it's, it's Scott Stevens if that defense is really going to be this much better that is that's different
3: that that and uh, to get back to something Jamie asked Mike earlier it if you look at Minnesota over. A bigger picture view what they did two years ago what they did three years ago this does look like a progression and last year maybe was the anomaly where they took a step back this looked like a team that was on the rise for a for a while now Mike did say they don't have the superstars but like Columbus it's really nice to believe that a team like this could have success in the NHL you know I know a lot of people joke about a, a, a wild Blue Jackets Cup final I think it'd be great because it could just change everyone's perspective on what you need to
2: do to win a cup. And the Blue Jackets specifically, they, Minnesota might be the Western Conference Blue Jackets, a yeah. team that had a, just a, obviously, Collins had a much worse season last year than Minnesota did. But looking at a team there, if this season came last year, we would have said, oh, this is a natural progression of how these teams are going. And yeah. because they had that one step back, I think people are try- not believing what they're seeing, even though, like Craig said, you, t- you take a step back, you look at a three or four year window. It actually makes sense, and it's actually sustainable.
1: How about this, too? You know, Parisi has the eight goals so far. Palmerville has six goals. I don't know how you guys look at this, but for me, I look at that and say, these guys are, are proven commodities in this league. They're not. It's not like they're 45 years old. Maybe this team gets even better in the playoffs. Maybe. If Just one of them
3: gets going. What's crazy right now, uh, if I'm reading this right, they're playing L.A. in the first round. <laughs> Jonathan Quick will be back. The Kings probably would be healthy by then. Yeah. Wow. That would be a I mean LA could climb. There's not a lot of dis well, there's a fair amount of distance yeah, actually between decent. LA and San Jose for third place in the Pacific. Now Calgary's only Calgary. three points clear. They could catch Calgary and end up one higher and then end up playing Yeah. Yeah. That could, that could change. But but <laughs> wow, right now that would be that would be a heck of a first round test for the Minnesota Wild. Playing a healthy LA Kings team that has won two cups recently. Well, and that's the
1: thing with LA. You know, we've we've discussed them in the past on on what our opinions are in terms of how good they would be in a playoff series. But the bottom line is, losing Jonathan Quick for as long as they've lost him is going to throw off the playoff picture in the West. Because oh, if you're Minnesota, well, if you're Minnesota, you you sh- you shouldn't have to play LA in the first round. You should. You should have an easier matchup. I know there's no easy matchups in the playoffs, but if you ask the Wild when April 15th or whatever rolls around, I don't think they want to face Jonathan Quick in round one of the playoffs. If that happens, there's other teams I'm sure they would pick over over LA to have to go up against. If they if Vancouver? they at the top right, well,
3: <laughs> I meant playoff yeah, teams. Everybody's chosen. Uh, that, that's that's the team I think everybody would want to face, but there's no way the Canucks are making. That. Play-off do you think the Canucks
1: that Canucks go out and make a, tra- a crazy, like, oh. trade I, for I, a record? I wrestle? wouldn't put it past them. Yeah, I could see the Canucks doing that,
3: yes. I wouldn't look, put it look past Look at us. That. We're a playoff team. We're going to make a move at the trade deadline. Three
1: points out of a playoff spot. To further weaken our
3: future for a first-round exit. <laughs> Actually, it won't even be a first-round exit because we won't make the playoffs.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How happy are you for that player that gets traded to Vancouver, right. and you're like, okay, cool. Okay. And now so Do we know
2: Shane Doan gonna... wants to go to Vancouver? Well, to didn't be a...
1: Vancouver want him? That's what got me thinking this a couple years ago. I don't want Shane Doan going to Vancouver. <laughs> Let's just make that very, very, We've got a very lot of teams clear. Still in this
3: mix too, right? Nashville, Dallas, could both yeah. go on a run. Those are teams that when their when their games are right, should be playoff when, teams. When
1: so. Jamie Ben's not breaking ten yeah. sticks over his knee.
2: <laughs> <laughs> One thing, not to go too far off, but what's uh, in Winnipeg? When do we start talking about why that team continues? To, I mean, we know why that team continues to underperform. It starts and ends in net, but. Are they going to do something about that? Or are they... I have just a feeling like Maurice is going to take the fall and they're going to not, you know... They're going to say, oh, yeah, well, we'll be okay despite the fact we have two terrible gold unders. I think you can hear that in his
3: voice when he talks that he's very concerned about his immediate future.
1: Are we sure that Hellebuck is terrible or is he just still young? He's terrible young?
3: right now.
1: Okay. I don't think, he, I don't think his, he will
2: be in the future, but right now what they're getting is they're getting terrible goal no matter who they throw in the net.
1: Yeah, and, and they're starting Andre Pavlich tonight who hasn't played a game all season. And, you know, this... They're still in the playoff hunt. They've dropped four in a row, and they've been without Patrick Laine for five and a half games. So, and in those five and a half games, they're, they've got one win. So that's, that's something. But you're right. I mean, the, the goaltending has been an issue for, ever since they got to Winnipeg. Yeah. Really, I ever mean, since It was, it was since a problem in Atlanta, too. Yeah. It's always been an issue. Wow, mm. oh, look at that. And, I mean, playing in the Central, I don't know. Do you guys think that that division, it's not going to be the best in hockey this year, but it's entirely possible in the second half
3: everybody picks it back up except Colorado. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of, that's what I was just saying. There's a lot of hockey. So let's see what Nashville and Dallas do over the second half of the season. Let's see if they make moves, too, roster moves. By
2: the, by the way, fun fact. Since the Central Division came around, what's the highest you guys think the Minnesota Wild have finished in, in that division in the last three years? So I guess this will be year four of that. I, I
1: guess I'd say third since you're asking the question. Fourth.
2: Fourth. Really? Fourth, fourth, fifth. Wow. So even though that 98- and 100-point season, mm-hmm. they were never anything above a wild-card team, That's how interesting this interesting was. see yeah. what happens when they get four home games?
1: Jamie wasn't here, what was it, two weeks ago when we were talking about the Metro and basically how the 4th place team in the Metro's on pace to have 111 points this year, and there's going to be two teams on pace for over 120, which has happened, what, six times in NHL history? It's insane. That's absurd. All right, any closing read thoughts? About it the, yeah,
3: actually, I wanted to throw this one uh, thing out okay. before because Jamie's back now. We were talking. I, I had a uh, column this last Sunday on handing out the mid-season awards, and I just wanted to get you guys' thoughts. On, okay. On, well, we can. We don't have to go through all these trophies. I, I'm not sure how much interest there is in the Selkie Trophy, and it should just be renamed the Patrice Bergeron Trophy anyway. So that's that's <laughs> who's winning winning again for me this year <laughs> because his possession numbers are ridiculous this season.
2: Uh, Carolyn's putting together a project where she's got some stats she's making, and she was looking at like a, at the Selkie and a few things. She said, "Do you know what her, what?" formula that she had popped out the best two-way forward this season? Connor McDavid. Really? Because he is playing a ton of minutes on the PK as well, which I forgot about.
1: Yeah, because he's the threat for a shorthanded goal on every Smart. power play. Yeah, No, it is. I
2: Get the guy with the speed that can get the puck out of the zone and then maybe sure. do something with it. But, uh, look, continue going for Selkie. Yeah, that's so tough. Because we know it's going to be a center because you're, you're legally not allowed to win if you play wing.
3: Right, and, and, and in defense <laughs> of that argument, I, I get it because centers have much more responsibility. In the defensive zone, I get. It. They have to go down low. They have to do a lot more things than the wings have to do. But there have been, yeah, there have been some wings that have been so good, like Marion who so. we talked about in the past. Uh, that's that's interesting, actually, on Connor McDavid. It, and I, in watching Connor McDavid, I still don't think his defensive game, all the details yeah. of it, are up to snuff of a Selkie Trophy winner yet. Um, I think Sidney Crosby is still the best all-around player in the game. Agreed, but would be interesting if he, he, he reaches that level of play where he, he also becomes oh, the best defensive player in the because yeah, he's, he's going to be the best that, offensive that's, player. That's that when you really
2: transcend. Play. I mean, if you can be a 100-plus point player and play just effective defense, yeah. I mean, that's... We haven't uh, seen a lot, a lot of those, those guys ever. Ryan Kessler, though, might, might actually get that selkie. He's been having a really Kessler's good season. having a
1: fantastic and That, and that whole line has yeah. been incredible. Was it Cagliano and Silverberg yeah. with yeah. Kessler? Silf- that's been their best line. Silverberg.
3: The F is silent. Yes. All right. The, who's going to win the scoring title? Rocket Pichard Trophy. Uh,
2: I'm going to go with McDavid slightly over the, the Pittsburgh Centers. Ever so slightly. Goals.
1: Wait, are you going goals here? Yeah. Oh, goals, I'll still go
2: with Crosby. Okay. I'm, I'm afraid of injuries. Well, now it's I afraid am. Of, too. Just, the Pittsburgh Centers do tend to get hurt from time to time. But so does McDavid. <laughs> well, yeah. But McDavid got hurt once, he and did. Crosby and Malkin have been hurt for periods every season since, like, the Reagan administration.
1: But if you're going pure goals, uh, it's, I mean, Crosby's got a pretty nice lead on everybody right I remember right now. the Reagan
3: administration. <laughs> Do you? What was the question? <laughs> oh, boy. All right, um, call the trophy. I already Matthews. gave my thoughts on this Matthews. one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, Don't especially with this. Lane's injury now, yeah. but also because he plays center. I, I mean, I made this argument in a story recently. When you think about expectations... Exceeding expectations in Toronto, yeah. yeah, as a franchise center, when
2: you've been known for a year as the number one pick, right?
3: I'm I'm blown away by yeah. what Austin Matthews has done.
2: We're spoiled by McDavid and Matthews, yeah. I, and I feel I kind of feel bad for Nolan Patrick because he's not those players. Don't I people are going to try to put that? Well, this these last two number yeah. one picks had all the hype, and this is what they did immediately.
1: Well, really, I mean, a lot of the number one picks over recent years, I mean, Stamkos, Tavares, maybe they're not Whit McDavid, no. Matthews were coming and McKinnon out. McKinnon
2: had a, good, a very good rookie season, but they weren't like this.
1: And then he joined the AHL team, apparently. Yeah.
3: Who else, who's down ballot on that, on, on the call for oh, you it's just,
1: I like this new, like, hip term. Who's down ballot? That's uh, Zach Wierenski.
2: To me, the interesting thing about this is where Murray ends up landing. Yeah. Yeah. This. I, I, I feel like Bingo. he is going to be, although I feel like they are going to be ballots he's left off completely. That he's not even
1: considered
3: because they don't still aren't aware of the fact that he's he's too. a rookie. And and when I wrote this column, he was fifth in the league in save percentage. Fifth. Yeah. This must
1: have been before he gave up
3: seven well, goals yeah, to Washington. It's Let's say, <laughs> and that's still won. It's a one. again. Don't ruin my narrative. Luke. Sorry. Hope he gave up what eight? It was don't take
1: my so, so, yeah.
3: Who, who's uh, who's third on this? Yeah, Matt Murray is it? Zach Wierenski? De- it depends how long Line is out. I
1: mean, if yeah. he comes back it in a sh- week, yeah. he'll be second.
3: It should be three guys from
2: Toronto that can be on this ballot. It should be Murray, but I think it's going to be Orensky.
1: Just think, well, I mean, if you're letting all the the media types vote on it, maybe it'll be like an all-star situation where they just vote in all the Toronto players just so we can all say Toronto over and over again.
3: (laughs) Okay, Norris Trophy.
1: Craig's favorite. Eric Carlson,
3: obviously, right? No? Okay. No, I mean, I don't think he can even make that argument this year.
2: But I, I do like your pick so far right now, Brent Burns. I don't think we talk, I mean, for all the talk Eric Carlson gets, we don't talk enough about how great. Brent Burns has been. I, the last few years. I
1: thought Burns was Burns. I think at the moment is, is the clear front runner because he's also got all the points and he's a good defensive player. I thought last year when it was Dowdy and Burns and Carlson, the more we talked to people at the award show, I kind of thought it would be Burns because you know he's sort of the hybrid between the or maybe the middle ground between Dowdy and Carlson. But this year, I mean, he's got forty five points on top of all he does defensively, yeah, he's averaging more than a point a game. Yeah. Which he's, is, got, he's got eighteen again, goals. Does
2: remember, a guy that played forward in the NHL.
1: He's got more goals than Patrick like, Kane. That's, I know. He's having a
2: ridiculous year. Yeah.
3: He's got to win it.
2: Yeah, I, I, win I, it. I don't think we talk enough about guys like Burns and Buffalo, how difficult it is to make the transition at the highest level of the game and then be extremely successful. Yep. I'd agree with
1: that. You know who's third in goals among defensemen is Kevin Shattenkirk. <laughs> I'm just gonna, that's, that's the uh, trigger word for Craig. Yeah,
3: he's... Uh... It's a marketable piece, isn't yeah.
2: it? Also, Victor Hedman isn't I can take over the role of most underrated player. Well, Best he's on ballot, too, so, okay, yeah. Okay, Victor Best player on they,
3: ballot. I, yeah. You know, at this point, still, I think Shea Weber's probably on, yeah.
1: on my played, top He's three. played very well.
3: He'll get votes, too, in Montreal, yeah. for sure. He's had a good year. You can't, yes. you can't deny that. Vezina Trophy, I think, at this point, we all agree. It's Devin Tuning. Yeah. Again, who are the guys down ballot?
1: Well, I don't know. I'm not sure how far down ballot carries well, Price is. It's the
3: top three that, you know, yeah. that everybody talks about in the end.
1: I mean, so. it would not shock me if Kerry Price won this award, yeah, even P-
2: though Price is going to be in the conversation deserving.
1: because he always is. Crawford deserves to be.
2: Braden right Hopi right
3: and Sergey Bobrovsky, yeah. too. B- Bobrovsky. A, I mean, I, I think Devin Dubnik is going to win it, but beyond that, it's a tough argument. My
1: ballot right now would be Dubnik, then Price, then Bobrovsky. And let's not forget Tukarask,
3: too, who's having a terrific year.
1: He is. I never want to forget Tukarask. <laughs> Our trophy? Crosby. James. Silence.
2: Uh, I think there was uh, a mistake in your article, Craig, because you have Conor McDavid listed twice. So either you love Conor McDavid or that one of those Conor McDavid supposed to be... Nobody corrected my mistake. One of those Cros- right. Conor McDavid was supposed to be Sidney Crosby because he's be nowhere Cindy to be found.
1: Maybe you just hate Crosby. So which one was it? let talk it's, about It's, it's, about it's this. supposed to be Sidney Crosby. It's Crosby the
2: winner or the, one that, or the ballot.
1: Yeah, that's true. You can't put McDavid in every spot and be like, I told you he'd finish first, second, or third. Well, I'll
3: have to fix that. Yeah, it's, it's nice that somebody <laughs> told me that They it did appeared in print.
1: After. Uh, good to have that. So, am I the only one that thinks Crosby's a contender for this award? No.
3: Yes, Crosby's yeah, on Crosby my ballot, but I, I'm giving it to Connor McDavid. Really? Yep.
1: Crosby has twice as many goals in 10 less games.
3: I just, when, when I think of the Hart Trophy, and, and if, if okay, it depends on how you're measuring it, okay. right? Yeah. If you just want to go, who's got all the points? Take Connor McDavid off the Edmonton Oilers. And they're terrible. They're a train wreck. We've seen it. They're a train wreck without him. They're drafting Nolan Patrick. He's having such an impact on this team. Such a massive impact on this team. Yeah.
1: I think it's those two are kills clearly I mean, it, it's, the front runners.
2: Yeah. yeah, those two are clearly the two best players in, in hockey right
1: now. Not trying to sound like the guy that's from Pittsburgh, but isn't it going to be weird if Crosby goes out and scores forty-five goals and has maybe his, his most dominant offensive season of his career and doesn't win the Hart Trophy? You sound like a guy like from Pittsburgh. I think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whatever. I mean, there have been. Well, there, I mean, there was a time where he was scoring a goal every game. Even now, he has twenty-seven in thirty-seven games. And he's one point behind McDavid overall. I mean, it's not... Yeah, but Brett Hall doesn't even think he's going to get to 50, so... Oh, well, <laughs> then never mind. <laughs> all right. uh, Who's your third guy on that list? Because good Jeff, luck finding one. Jeff Carter. Bingo. Mine was too. His, yeah, I was that was mine name. on the list, actually.
2: Jeff Carter's been L.A.'s best player by far all season. Well,
3: maybe for about a year and a little over a year now, if you go back to the last season. Jeff Carter's been really, really good. And boy, did they need it with, yeah. you know, with, with quick out and with... With Kopitar not having a great
2: season, I think he has, he has three overtime winners. By the way, the Kings don't lose in, in three on three. I they think don't. They're, they're either eight or nine and one in three on three overtime.
3: I'm with you. You know, I'm looking on my story online, and Sidney Crosby's there. Did you just change that? I did. Wow. He's
1: not doing much on the podcast. Uh, Jeff Carter's 16th in the NHL in points, though, so I don't see him ending up there. Like, you're right. He's been LA's best player by far, and he could easily jump five spots with a, with a good game. But if he finishes the year 16th in the NHL in points, there's other big names. Yeah, I
2: think what's going to end up happening is whoever wins the, the Vezina or gonna the Norse end up is going to be that
3: yeah. in that three spot. Yeah, that's. I'm, I'm with you on that. Okay, wrapping up on these last couple things here then. Who's your coach of the year? I, that's, yeah, I, I, I think
2: you that's have amazing. to go Tortorella. Just, it, it's the rules of coach of the year. A team that underperformed
1: last year is overperforming now. I can't wait to interview Tortorella at the award show. It's going to be great. Bruce Boudreaux is
3: not going to get enough votes probably because he's a victim of his own regular season success. Oh, he'll be number two. Don't you you think? think he will be? Who should be. Who else should be on this Mick list? McCollum's, I think mean, Tom McClellan has McCollum's to be on there. Be on that I think Joe Quinville has done Quin- unbelievable job.
2: Gets the, should get the Bill Belichick tweet. I mean, he should yeah. he's the best coach, but he's not going to win the award. Uh, because Quen-
1: Quindle, Bo- uh not Boudreau, Barry Trotz, Mike Sullivan, none of them are even going to be on the, the no. list, and they may finish the three best records. Yeah, it's, it's, in it's, it's, it's the Belichick
2: effect. You, you win too much. Mike Babcock.
1: Babcock wins it
2: though oh, because he's having a good season in to Toronto. Of
3: people- there are a lot of people talking about Mike Babcock as a, oh, as he'll, a he'll get talked about candidate.
1: What, yeah. what is the multiplier for doing something good in Toronto as opposed to somewhere else? Uh, it's a good question. Yeah. It's at least like three times, right? I mean, he was getting talked last year when they were horrible.
3: Yeah, when they were in last place. If, if they don't make the playoffs and he, he makes his way on into the final three, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm going to have a problem with that. Look,
1: if, if things just continue the way they're going and Bruce Boudreaux or John Tortorella don't win... Coach of the year, for McClellan, who I think's done an excellent job, and Babcock has done a good job. That's a joke.
3: I agree. Then it's just simply more. what
1: market you coach in. Yeah.
3: So last one is the GM of the year. I'm, I'm with you on this.
2: I, I like Jeff Gordon. We would, as you said in your article, we've kind of been waiting for. Okay, when's the end of the Rangers' run coming? And they've been able to piece together, with arguably without, a, especially with Loui is playing, without a superstar player, and piece together a very good roster with.
3: College signings and low, low free agent signings and a backup goaltender and and got younger too. They, mm-hmm. they do all the things that you, they needed to do and they're still right in the race in the Metro. I still think they're the well, I I don't know. I we'll see how Columbus plays out, but I I think the Caps and Penguins are certainly a step ahead of the Rangers. But
1: that's interesting that you you would pick him because you've been the guy that thinks the Rangers are going to drop
3: off all year. Yeah, but they haven't. And and when you look at what they've they've added, he, he deserves some credit for you, you know even though you mentioned earlier that Jimmy Busy is. Hit a uh, brick wall and isn't doing anything anymore. But they're they're getting contributions. They're rolling four lines and they're effective. Uh, so it's it's impressive. I think the way Chuck, they made themselves over. Who well, else on that? I think
1: Fletcher will get. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because There's I mean, the time. Eric Stahl signing for what is he making? Three and a half million a year, and he leads one of the best teams in hockey in points. He's going to get votes. And I... I, the problem for him is you can't point to anything he did specifically this off season that has gotten this team to this point. Well, They've just been patient. How about just,
3: yeah, how about just yeah. being patient and not blowing up after what happened last year? Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's worth something, but I don't think that'll get him enough votes. Probably not. That's uh, why Adam third. Before we wrap up, I just want to throw this out. Carolina Hurricanes are one point out of a playoff spot.
3: Mm-hmm. Nice story. Yeah. Ron Francis got a mention there, too. Yeah, he did. I mean, they fleece the Blackhawks, but a lot of teams do that lately, so...
1: But would you rather be the Hurricanes right now or the Blackhawks? Yeah, I'd
3: rather be the Blackhawks. And take into account which division they play in, too, if you need that help. All right. I'm missing Tebu Teravinen, but, you know. Maybe that should be the name of your book. Missing Missing Tebu Teravinen. (laughs) (laughs) And you could have Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan star in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) You've got mail. It's from (laughs) (laughs) Tevu.
1: I'm leaving you. I'm going to Carolina. Enjoy no forward depth. All right, on that note, for Jamie Eisner, Greg Morgan, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hat Trick Podcast.
0: Lucky Land Casino, asking
4: people what's the
0: weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
4: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? ha! in my dentist's office.